He's on the line with us now, a former Syracuse wide receiver, now looking to get to the National Football League with the draft approaching. Tristan Jackson with us here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing? We're doing good, Tristan. Everybody safe and happy and hunkering down these days? Where are you hunkering down? I'm in, uh, actually, I'm back in Metro Detroit uh, in Michigan. Everybody's, everybody's good. Everybody's safe here. That's good to hear, my friend. So it is uh, interesting times we're living in. Uh, as you get ready for the draft here, you're still training and, and getting ready. How are you doing that? What are your workouts like these days? Because things are, are kind of limited out there on what it seems athletes can do. Yeah, very limited. I kind of I try to do one-on-one sessions uh, on the field if I can find a field. Uh, just one-on-one sessions and, uh, with my trainer. And uh, as far as uh, working out um, off the field, I just – uh, I have a garage that I go to uh, with my other other trainer, just one on one session. So it's kind of just like me, either at home or working out in the garage or trying to find a field, or something like that. Now, before everything kind of shut down and the world changed, you got a chance to go to the combine in Indianapolis. How did that go for you? How do you feel everything uh, went in terms of all the reps and the drills and the interviews and the whole experience? I think everything went good. Everything went really well. Um, I'm very confident in uh, interviews and um, the scouts uh, talking to them and the coaches talking to them. And um, I think I have a, a great experience uh, that we get the combine learning a lot of things. Did you? Uh, picking the... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying uh, I learned a lot of things, picked a lot of things up, and uh, I had fun. I saw that you had the opportunity to talk to a lot of players, certainly, that were there and, and kind of pick up things here and there, including somebody at a, you had a chance to catch up with Joe Burrow, right, who was projected to be the top pick in the whole draft. Yeah, I actually did. Yeah, I talked to him um, a couple of days uh, throughout the week. Yeah. What was uh, what was he like uh, to discuss? Uh, what was on his mind? Uh, his, you know, a lot uh, a lot to think about there as the top pick. But did you get any pointers from him, or what was that conversation like? Uh, of course, we talked a lot about ball. Uh, this is this is a journey, and uh, uh, he's just a cool guy to be around. Just, uh, just me and him talking, having fun, uh, looking at videos together, uh, talking about football. It, it was a good experience meeting him. Uh, top pick in the draft. He's a good dude. Speaking of that journey, Tristan, take me back a few months ago. Football season ends. You're coming towards you know the end of the year. I think you made your announcement official right around Christmas time. What was that process like for you to decide to leave a little early from Syracuse and pursue your NFL dream? Uh, for me, uh, I wouldn't say it was tough at all because uh, I believe in myself. I'm confident. I'm ready to be an uh, NFL player. So it was kind of just the fact of uh, uh, talking to other people and I'm um, seeing that was the best decision. And um, I'm, I'm very confident I made the, uh, the right decision to talk to my family and the coaches. So, What was that conversation like with Coach Babers? Was he encouraging? I'm sure he tried to talk you into coming back, as any good coach would, but uh, ultimately, uh, was he supportive of the decision, and what was his advice? Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Of course, he tried to um, t- uh, talk to me about staying, <laughs> and, uh, but... Yeah, he he definitely uh, supportive of my decision. Um, he's uh, very confident in me as well, and so uh, he just he has nothing but good things to say. So, as you were at the combine, and they're saying, Tristan, that this is one of the deepest wide receiver drafts we've had in, in years, maybe ever, according to some. How do you think you stacked up against the receivers that you were up against? And and you mentioned you're a confident guy and you're confident in your abilities, but when you were there and seeing the other prospects that are are going into the draft, do you felt like Okay, I, I made the right call here. I I can play with with these guys out here. 
Oh yeah, of course, definitely. I think I showed uh, I showed a lot of scouts. I popped eyes to a lot of scouts and uh, receiver coaches um, that I can run routes and be smooth in my routes and um, catch the ball. I definitely think that uh, they looked at it as an eye, you know, uh, or eye-opening uh, experience to seeing me with a lot of receivers and me just standing out running those uh, good routes and catching the ball the way I did. So. When you're looking back on when you walked off the field last year till now and you're really honing in on the skills and trying to make that jump to the next level, what have you learned about what it's going to take to do that, to be successful in the NFL? What are the things you've really been trying to hone off in your game? Um, most importantly, um, staying healthy um, for the most part. Um, and staying, um, stay, stay into it. What I mean by staying into it is uh, just, just keep loving the game. The more you love the game, the more you fall in line with doing things to to be that good person, or to be the uh, the best person you can be in the field, on the field, uh, off the field, being a leader in the group, and things like that. Just keep learning about the game. So uh, as I keep continuing to do that, um, I'll have a good career. What do you think are the, the skills you bring as a receiver that can help a team right now? Um, I definitely think that my um, route running ability to separate from defenders, um, to to stretch the defense without taking the top off the defense, uh, my speed, uh, vertical threat, deep threat type of guy. Um, so I expect to, to fit an offense like that and play that role. Former Syracuse wide receiver Tristan Jackson, our guest here, the NFL draft approaching and. We just brought up a moment ago how weird things are right now, Tristan, in some ways. Even the whole draft's going to be held pretty much virtually on conference calls and all these Zoom things that we've seen lately. Is that how you've been talking to teams in, in recent days? Are you doing video conferencing, phone calls? How's that work uh, ever since the coronavirus restrictions got put in? Uh, yeah, you're definitely right. There's a video, uh, FaceTime, uh, Zoom, um Microsoft video, things like that, just um, getting in contact with the, uh, with the coaches, talking to, talking with them. Who are some of the teams that you have the opportunity to speak with? I spoke, I spoke with a lot of teams, uh, the Bengals, um, Saints, uh, recently talked to uh, uh, the Jets, um, a, lot, a lot of teams, really. When you're talking to those teams, do you kind of put yourself in that spot? Uh, you know, okay, who's the quarterback? What's the offense like? Maybe do a little research ahead of time and kind of place yourself there? Or is there just a lot of questions about you and your game and, and, and the process doesn't really come into specifics in that case? Um, pardon me, I, I couldn't hear it. It's kind of muffled. Oh, that's okay. No, so when, I, when you're talking to a specific team... Do you think, like, let's say that, you know, the Jets are on the line. Are you thinking, okay, they've got Sam Darnold as the quarterback. This is the kind of offense they run. Do you, like, try and put yourself there specifically, or are those conversations more about you, yourself and your game? Um, it's really uh, about what you said, kind of visualizing me uh, fitting in our offense. And um, what my game is, like, in our offense uh, with Sam Darnold and things like that. So I kind of try to talk to him about that and, it's hard to give me feedback of what they think about me as well. So, Tristan, as mentioned, this is a pretty deep wide receiver draft. A, a lot of uh, talented guys are, are available here. Do you think that helps you, though, because there's such a focus on the position that maybe it, it could help you stand out a little bit? Oh, yeah, most definitely. And that's what I was shooting for uh, heading into the combine. This would be a standout. I'm trying to do everything I can to stand out from uh, this deep receiver class. Tristan, looking here at Syracuse, it's a unique circumstance. Had you stayed, 
you wouldn't even get a spring practice because they're one of the things, certainly sports is shut down right now. They had about three spring practices and then, you know, had to put it on pause. What What is that going to be like for that team to work through and get ready for a season, not having a, a spring practice? Maybe they'll catch up on the other end here and get some added practices, but knowing you didn't have spring ball, how do you think that's going to affect that team right now? What, what can they do to get ready? Um, I believe those guys, I'm trusting those guys, they're actually uh, doing things on their own right now just to, so, uh, just to, just to be ready for, for the time if they have uh, extra practices or things like that, so they won't have to jump right into it and, and their bodies don't be ready for for them to go. Because uh, at this point, um, I'm concerned of, like, when, who, when, when their season will start again. Uh, so it's like, uh, hopefully their guys are doing something right now, trying to just do, uh, just trying to just help them out, give them more a little edge in the long run, you know? And they've got a new offensive coordinator in, some changes made in the offseason, as you know, Tristan. What, what have you heard from the guys about what Sterling Gilbert wants to do uh, with this offense going forward? Uh, it's such a secret, secretive thing with Coach Baber, <laughs> so I've been trying to get Tommy, uh, Tommy on the phone and talk about it. He doesn't tell me anything. So. He could, it, it's like uh, cloak and dagger. He could tell you, but he'd have to kill you kind of thing. Huh? Spy stuff. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the football guys are so secretive. That's great. So, uh, as we're all wondering about that, one thing we do know, Tristan, is last year you had over a thousand yards, eleven touchdowns, put up some big numbers last year. And you know, look, the offense had its moments, but as you know, struggled a bit too. How did you find some success there, knowing that there was injuries on the offensive line? Tommy was hurt in a couple of games, and. You know, there there were some struggles there, but you managed to get some production out of that. How did you guys manage to do that? Um, just to keep playing. You know, you play the game to be uh to compete. So at that point, it was kind of just like uh, uh my competitive nature kind of took over. You know, um, uh, I can't even tell you how I would go into a certain week because every week was the same for me. I had the same uh, mentality every week just to go out there and um, play my hardest and show what I can do. So. That's kind of how, how I looked at it. What was your uh, connection like with Tommy DeVito? How did you guys approach things during the week, during practice? Because it, it just seemed like even in, in a short period of time, there was a real connection there. We mentioned the numbers, but you know he was looking for you often out there, and you kind of became his top target. How did you guys build that chemistry in, in such a short period of time? Uh, I can tell you, we, we practiced so hard. Like I literally... Made him practice so hard for us to get a chemistry like where is it to be those games that he he did get hurt he still confirmed it so it was kind of like we was always together practicing or in the film room just trying to trying to just get each other down packed to to get the chemistry good. So Tristan, you guys worked a lot and and got it established, but who's next with you moving on? I know you've been in Taj Harris's ear a little bit, but there's some talent at that position. There's some speed at that position. There's a few guys that are ready to kind of take over that number one spot. But as you look at the wide receivers coming in, who's ready to step up and and take the production that you had a year ago? Um, a lot of those guys have the have the chance to. I know that um, Akeem Johnson, um, Taj Harris, uh, Eddie Hendricks, and Anthony Quigley, uh, Sarah Johnson. Those guys. It's kind of like it's going to be. Uh, they're going to have to compete, and uh, all those guys can do it. Can do it. Uh, you got Cam Jordan in there, too. All them guys can do it. It's just the guy's going to compete for a spot, and uh, we'll see what happens. 
As you look back, Tristan, I know you're looking ahead and the draft's approaching, and I know you're excited about that, but when you look back on your Syracuse career, what are the things that, that will really stand out to you? Um, the 2018 season, just uh, the overall year for me, um, coming in, knowing um, I couldn't play the year, but I had the same mindset that I had this year. was uh, just I wanted to be the best me every day. So that whole year for me, um, and being able to play in the bowl game uh, was the best memory in college to me. So it was, it has to be that one. That's the best memory. When you look back, uh, what what are some things that Coach Babers taught you, not only as a football player, but as a man, as a person that you think you'll carry forward with you? Um, he taught me definitely a lot. Um, definitely uh, a lot about family. Uh, if that's the team or, or off the field as well. A lot of people about being a person, being a good teammate. So uh, I think I thank him forever for that. Well, Tristan, we wish you the best of luck. We'll be watching on uh, the few days of the NFL draft, waiting for your name to be called. Uh, hope uh, you enjoy the process. Hope uh, we're talking to you down the road here and you're on an NFL roster. Best of luck with everything. Thanks for your time today. And, and stay safe and stay healthy out there, okay? Yeah, thank you so much. You stay safe as well. Liam McHugh back with us here on the block, ESPN Radio. Liam, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Yeah, you make it sound like I'm a busy man, but I got all kinds of time right now for you, Brent. So now, lay it on me, I, whatever you want to talk about. I have many questions that you, we will solve mm-hmm. over the next three hours here. So settle in, buddy. <laughs> now, look, you got, but listen, you got three kids in the house, so you're not busy the way you're typically busy, but you're still busy, right? Like, what's what's that like these days? Oh, no, you're right. It's a different, different type of busy. Uh, I have a 22-month-old, and then I have kindergarten and first grade. So uh, I found out that I'm a pretty awful math teacher, even at the first grade level. <laughs> like, horrendous. Uh, there's a lot where like my son's doing stuff, and I look over his shoulder, and he's like, all right, can I send this in? And I look, and I'm like, you know what? Let's get another set of eyes on this. Mom, can you come over here? Check this out. Let me move over to the kindergarten reading. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's different. And there is that feeling of uh, it takes you back to – yeah, when you have a newborn, except that you get some sleep at night. But it's that feeling of, like, you're tired, and I think everyone's kind of going through it. Every day sort of bleeds into the one before and the next one. And you're right. My, my kids ask me, as they do all the time, because with kids it's different, right? The, everything that happened in the past is yesterday. Everything that's going to happen is tomorrow. So they ask you what day it is, and you have to resist the urge to say, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. By yeah. the way, my wife's a math teacher, so if you want to FaceTime, just let me know, and, oh. and, and we'll set that up, brother. I, I got lucky Beautiful. there, man. Yeah, I'm with you. Some of these things my daughter's doing in the homeschool, and I'm like, uh, honey, and, and I find other ways to make up for my lack of, of educational knowledge in, in teaching those things. So yeah, you, you're teaching street smarts. I mean, exactly, that's that's important. On, so. I, I, I got I got I got all kinds of things over here. I can teach you what what you're doing for that schoolwork. No, 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 no. That's go go, go talk. Don't to worry mom. about that. Yeah, don't worry about that. Go talk to your mom. So Liam, and you're in New York City, and boy, when I see these photos of a barren Times Square or like two people on the streets, I'm thinking of like that Will Smith movie where he was just yeah. by himself in New York City. That's got to be so strange to see the streets so empty in a city that's normally, as they say, never sleeps or so vibrant and is just always so, you know, busy and, and active. Yeah, it's, it's, it's odd. It, it really is. Um, you know, um, 
it's one of the things I think New Yorkers love about this, you know, place is that it's constantly moving. It's constantly active. And uh, for it to shut down, you know, even for a couple of days like that is bizarre. And for it to last as long as it's lasted is uh, unthinkable, I think, for many of us. Um, you know, I, I think in some ways I'm lucky because my kids are so young that they don't have much of a frame of reference. And I think there is, in the back of their mind, still, despite what we've told them, uh, there's this idea that, oh, this must have happened before in your lifetime. You've gone through this. Uh, And they don't get it that, you know, even their 83-year-old grandfather has never gone through this. None of us have. Uh, You know, so we talk and we kid about the inconveniences of daily life, but it's very real here. And, you know, it's uh, people are dying and... People are going to hospitals, not coming back, and we uh, we know a lot of people who work in these hospitals, and you know we're right there on the front line, so we're worried about them every single day. So it's it's real down here, and uh, you know we're hoping hoping that you know in the next few days we're starting to turn the corner. Uh, but then again, turning the corner doesn't mean that we stop doing what we do every day. That's right. And and I think you know once you know I think the uncertainty. Uh, you know, about this entire coronavirus and about how long uh, it will last is one of those things that really just weighs heavily on everyone down here. Uh, so when you look at it from a sports frame of mind, they're in the, the holding pattern as much as anybody is. And I know our, our our friend Mike Tirico had Gary Bettman on this week on his show on NBCSN, and they're looking at contingencies. We've heard North Dakota and, and these plans and what they're trying to figure out here. Let's look at that. The latest you know, Liam, about okay, what what hockey's trying to do, what they're trying to to frame here, even in an uncertain world that we're in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Bettman was pretty honest. Uh, you know, there wasn't a ton of breaking news per se when he spoke to Trico, but he, he laid it out in the fact that you know they're open to every option, and that includes the regular season uh, not continuing that going right to the playoffs. Uh, so it was interesting to hear him say that doesn't mean that's going to happen. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they see, you know, logistically, like why put people on the ice, why risk it? And I think if you look at a team like the Detroit Red Wings, who are just so far out of it and they're going to finish last, like why get that group of people back together? Um, why put them out there? Uh, so I think they're open to that. They're open to this idea of a centralized playoff. Uh, from what I've heard, that that's at least on the table. It's going to be difficult, obviously. Players have done it. Uh, Patrick Sharp, I spoke to earlier in the week, he's played in a world championship, and he said that's kind of a cool situation where a bunch of teams fly into a city and play in two different arenas and everyone's there. He's like, obviously, the difference being that, you know, there are fans everywhere and it has this World Cup-type atmosphere. You'd eliminate the atmosphere uh, part of that. Um you know, I, I really think they want to get this in, but they need to make it fair. I think it's always going to have an asterisk next to it because everything that happens in life right now has an asterisk next to it. It's different. We all know that. But if they can make it as fair as possible so that at the end of this, it's still considered a legitimate Stanley Cup champion, uh, I think if they can do that, they will. Liam, it's interesting when you look at it. Liam McHugh, our buddy from NBC Sports, joining us here on ESPN Syracuse. So, 
let's say they gave the all clear tomorrow. Okay, you can play. You just said it, though. Mm-hmm. One of the things about the Stanley Cup playoffs is the intensity and the atmosphere. There's not going to be fans no matter where they play this thing. I think that's a safe assumption, right? So mm-hmm. you can't just snap a finger and say, okay, go out there and give us the Stanley Cup playoffs as it usually is. I think players are, are going to be not only in the shape they usually are, they're going to be trying to figure this out as they go. So even if we get a Stanley Cup playoff, you just said it, it's going to have not only an asterisk next to it, it's not going to be the same, but I guess it's better than nothing. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, and I think it's, you know, People want escapism at this point, clearly. Uh, I mean, we see that from just the numbers of people watching old sporting events. So uh, I think that helps people feel at least like there's some sense of normalcy. Uh, but no, it won't be the same. I mean, one of the things you want to feel when you turn on a playoff game or any big game is you turn the channel and there's an atmosphere immediately. and You say, something big is happening here. I'm sticking around. I'm watching this. And that that goes out the window if you start playing empty arena games. And we know that because it just won't be there. The question is, what's it really going to be like for the players? Uh, and I got to speak to a few of them you know, this week, guys who play in the league. And you know, I asked them, what would they want? Would they want fake crowd noise? Uh, you know, and a couple of them immediately said no. It would get old fast. They probably would prefer music played. You know, the, basically the music that they play during breaks in the action, just play it the whole time just so there's something there. Uh, maybe the organ playing. Uh, they like something so it's not the, you know, just the vast emptiness that you're hearing. And I think at home, you know, there are options now for TV to get creative because if you don't have a crowd, you could potentially take the netting down. So you get a whole bunch of different camera angles. You could potentially mic guys up. I mean, you're going to hear it anyway. The question is, let's be honest, while it may be very, very very stimulating and interesting for me and you to hear what the players say on the ice, it's really not rated for everyone in the audience to hear. (laughs) That's right. Because it's still playoff hockey. So if there was an option where you could, like, maybe on one feed get all of that and it's uncensored and raw – I'm all for it. I would love to hear it. I don't know if my bosses feel that way, but I'd love to. Uh, so I, I think there are ways to get creative to this, but it's going to look different. It's going to feel different. I think the hope is that if maybe we could start this way, and oh, it, it would be fantastic if we don't have to finish this way because uh, it would certainly be anticlimactic at the end to have to hand the Stanley Cup to a team they hoist the cup and no one be there. By the way, uh, they'll still find a way to boo Bettman, even if there's no fans in the stands. That that, that will happen somehow, some way. Uh, from the players you talked to, Liam, did they mention or did you ask them how long it would take them to be back in game shape once they get the all clear? You know, I spoke to uh, Blues coach Craig Berube just a few days ago, and I was surprised at his answer because he really thought a week would be fine. Um, he said if you have everyone together and you can train uh, together, a week would be okay because – uh, he really believes today's hockey athletes are in superb shape, that they're keeping themselves in shape. Uh, you know, you can check in on your guys a little bit more than you could in the past. Let's face it, you know, uh, you can FaceTime, you can Zoom, you can really kind of see what they look like. But, I mean, a part of that is trust. They're telling you they're working out. They're telling you they're in shape. So he believes one week they'd be ready to go. I think what's strange about this, and it's kind of bizarre to say, is that, you know, it could potentially lead to an extremely competitive and oddly the healthiest Stanley Cup playoffs we've ever seen, coronavirus aside, because what you have now is a break in the action and you have a bunch of teams that can get healthy. 
And you have teams that, let's face it, Steven Stamkos wasn't going to start in the playoffs. Now Stamkos will be back. Uh, you know, Jake Gensel, a 40-goal scorer for the Pittsburgh Penguins, all of a sudden they get him back in the lineup. There are plenty of huge impact players who now will be ready to go, and we never, ever start the Stanley Cup playoffs because hockey is such a demanding sport, such a grueling sport, such a physical sport. We never get to start the postseason with the rosters intact, complete, and everybody 100% healthy. Liam, I want to look at both conferences here. We'll start in the East, and what was it like when the pause button was hit there? You know, Boston had 100 points and and seemingly was establishing itself as the favorite to win the Cup. Tampa Bay right back near the top. The Caps making another one. Philadelphia was white hot down the stretch here when they hit the pause button. What are some of the things that you were looking at and thinking about here when hockey stopped a few weeks ago? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right on it with the Boston Bruins. I mean, they were a game away from winning the Cup last year, and they're better this year. They just are. And they're primed regardless of, you know, if hockey does return. I think they're that talented, they're that focused, that they could pick up right where they left off. Uh, A big question would be the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, you're riding an extremely hot streak right before the break. And while you're a talented team, I don't know that you're in that top upper echelon in the Eastern Conference. You're probably just in that next bracket where you're a playoff team. Maybe you're into the second round. Uh, So I don't know that it helps them. I think it hurts them uh, potentially. But I I look at a team like Tampa Bay, and I see now with Stamkos' potential for him to be healthy, the entire roster to be healthy. If everyone, you know, if hockey does return, I I see a club there that's, Unlike last year, where let's face it, they flamed out spectacularly in the first round. They you know were a record-setting team and then got swept by Columbus. I see a team that can fly under the radar, and that's a good thing for them because let's face it, every team will be flying under the radar because the headline will be the return of coronavirus. You won't be focusing on an individual team. I think they're extremely talented. We have been saying this since 2015 when they lost to the Chicago Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup Final. At that time, the Blackhawks were the team of now, and Tampa Bay was the team of the future. Well, it's 2020. I think Tampa Bay could benefit from this potentially uh, by flying under the radar, going in, and being completely healthy. Otherwise, not the only, you know, the team that really interests me also is a team that's out of it you know, right now, which is the New York Rangers. They were red hot right before. Chris Kreider would be healthy when they return. But, of course, right now they're at 79 points. They're two back of Columbus, same amount of games played. So uh, I don't know how, you know, do you go back to 68 games with every team? Is it points percentage? A lot of questions you'd have to answer if you weren't going to finish the regular season. With the Islanders right ahead of them, too, the New York teams exactly. scratching, fighting, and clawing not to get in. Out west, St. Louis right back on top. Uh, who knows? Maybe we would have been heading for a Stanley Cup rematch. I was intrigued by Colorado because there was a lot of talent, but as you mentioned, injuries with you know mm-hmm. Nico Ratnan and the players that were out be healthy again and ready to go here whenever uh, this would get going. Vegas right back on top there. What would you see out west? Yeah, I think the West is 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 open. I mean, uh, St. Louis is obviously uh, you know the top team right now with Colorado, you know, just behind them, uh, game in hand. Uh, and I think St. Louis under Craig Berube is a team that's focused. They play playoff hockey. They'll be ready to go, and they'll play their style. Be heavy. It'll be demanding on the other team. They won't give you space. Colorado it becomes a big wild card now because uber talented, and you would assume at that point healthy. Hi, buddy. Sorry, working from home here. I'll <laughs> be okay. done in just a second, dude, all right? Cool. I love it. Ah, 
And you know what's great? We have a live TV capability just installed from NBC Sports, so stay tuned for that. I saw the promo uh, video on Twitter where your 22-month-old <laughs> came on in and, and said hello. That was great. Oh, yeah. 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 They, they, they like to crash these segments routinely now. So, uh, But uh, I think Colorado's interesting because they just constantly get bit by the injury bug. So you hope they're healthy, but it just seems like they've had no luck this year. Uh, Vegas will be a team that's right right there as well. I think another team that fascinates me is Nashville. Uh, in the wild card, as talented as any team in the West, couldn't seem to get it all together this year, couldn't find their goaltending. But who knows? After this break, maybe they refocus, you know, and maybe Pecorine comes back and he's the Pecorine we knew before. And all of a sudden, this wild card team could be a team that emerges from the Western Conference, which is really, that's what Nashville was the last time when they went to the final. They were the eight seed. So I wouldn't count them out. I think the West is a lot more wide open uh, than the East. In the East, I really think it's, it's Boston, it's Tampa Bay. I like the Caps. And then if Pittsburgh's all healthy, I see a real top-tier board clubs right there. Liam, before we let you go, does your son have a thought on who should win the Hart Trophy? <laughs> oh, he says dry sidles running away with it. Yeah. <laughs> huge Leon dry fan here down in New York at five years that's old. What he, that's now, what he was it, saying in the background a minute ago. It, it's over. He says, give it to dry and see what Edmonton can do in the playoffs. Give it to him right now, baby. Well, Liam, <laughs> uh, look, you stay healthy, stay safe. I uh, can't wait to catch up with you down the road when they're playing sports again, but uh, good to catch up with you anytime, including today. Thanks for your time and your thoughts, as always. You too, bud. Be well.